to a brand new episode of Not Too Deep. I am omega excited about this episode because finally, 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 one of my favorite humans in real life and in the professional world of entertainment is a guest. It is none other than the podcast master himself, Chris Hardwick. I I, I love this guy. He is so, so great and he's so funny and he's so quick and I don't think he ever sleeps and I relate to that and I'm just so happy that he made time for uh, for the podcast and the way he made time is by us going to him at the at midnight studio because he lives there and doesn't leave because he does a million jobs at once and we recorded the podcast there it was really fun and we also recorded his nerdist podcast as well so it was a lot of talking on both of our ends and uh, and Matt Myra was there, who these two guys I go, you know, pretty decently back with to the days of Attack of the Show. And we got to talk about that. And right when I met Chris is when he was first starting his podcast. So it's been really cool to now steal his idea and create my own podcast and for him to be a guest on it because good friends exploit each other. Let's find out what else we can exploit about Chris Hardwick in this episode of Not Too Deep. Thank you for being part of this podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. This is as serious as the conversation is going to get, this introduction right now. What if I um, talk in this voice? You can talk in that voice all you want. We're still going to be talking about charts. I appreciate so. that. <laughs> um, I The way this works, I have some questions for you, and then Twitter has some questions for you, and that's it. Are the Twitter questions like, uh, why do you suck? And Yeah, people have a lot of mixed reactions to you, which is really, <laughs> this has also been a really huge learning experience for me and the guests that I have on my podcast. Sure. I tweet out usually before the podcast starts, send me questions to ask, blah, blah, blah. And the response is so interesting. Like Shane Dawson was on the podcast earlier. People do not enjoy Shane Dawson and have really? a lot of very hateful adjectives to describe him <laughs> publicly on Twitter. And he knows it too. I mentioned that to him and he was like, oh yeah, I've been called <laughs> everything in the world. I'm offending someone in the world every sure. second of every day. Sure. Which is, um, it's fun to be self-aware in that. <laughs> in that <laughs> That's kind of how it is. Okay, so let's just get into these questions. Uh, my first one for you is, have you ever shoplifted in your life? No, I've never shoplifted in my life. And I'm, I'm the type of person that if I get even $1 too much back in change, I will uh. go back and go, you gave me $1 too much. I think it probably comes from... You know, Catholicism, Italian Catholic mom <laughs> yeah. upbringing, you know, yeah. and so I, I would always feel too guilty. If I ever did shoplift, it would be temporary. I would have taken it back, but I never would even be able to do that. Yeah, it's a really hard thing. Um, I, when I was like five, I shoplifted Bubblicious gum uh, from a grocery store on the way out because my mom wouldn't buy it for me. And I was like, what happens if I just put it in my pocket? And then I left and I was chewing it at my dad's house over the weekend. And my older brother was like, where did you get that gum from? Because our mom kind of allocated all the sure. sweets we had. And I... I was panicked with guilt. I literally remember running into the bathroom when he asked me, shutting the door and just looking at myself in the mirror, like having an existential crisis as a five-year-old and being like, what have I done? Do you know what kind of, like that is a level of mistake along the lines of if you were a bank robber and someone came in and saw you giving yourself a money bath. Yeah. You're like, oh, this? Like you, you're supposed <laughs> yeah. to chew that in private. I know. You go to a cabin in the woods. It was, it was really bad. I learned my lesson at an early age age 
Um, and also kudos to Bubblicious for being such a delicious product that made me break the law for it. I mean, <laughs> I can never chew it again in my life. If you could talk to one type of animal, one just type of animal for the rest of your life, which animal would you want to be able to talk to and talk back to you? A river otter? <gasps> sea otters are my favorite animals of all time. I don't know what the difference between river otter is. Well, are one's just... in a river. Okay, so I guess they're more like homegrown and relatable. <laughs> they're more hillbilly otters. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, I love sea otters because they're like dogs of the water. They are. Like, they're like sea dogs. Yeah. They're super tricksy, but they're also like, look at me. I can hold my breath for a serious amount of time. They seem pretty smart. Yeah. Um, I like their tiny little prehensile fingers. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, also, Hannah Hart just posted this thing that she found out in a YouTube video that when um, one of these types of otters goes to sleep, if they're in a relationship with another otter, they hold hands while they sleep on their back so that one doesn't float away. Oh, it's, or just to make sure you're not going out, bitch. You're staying. <laughs> yeah. See, I was thinking it was super romantic. Maybe it's really, really like terrible dominance that they're yeah, just... Yeah, one or the other. Yeah. It's either a female otter like, you're not going out of this house again. The last time you came home, you had lipstick on your fur because some otters wear lipstick. That's true. Yeah, they're very smart creatures. They're very trendy. Uh, yeah, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, is there like a history of like domestic violence with otters now? That we've, really we've really taken the cuteness out of... God, this is really ruining everything. And oh. But you know what though, Wait, Grace? Wait. What? This is why it would be advantageous to talk to them so that you could be like, why, find do you, out for sure. why do you hold hands yeah. all Tell the time? Yeah, tell us about it. And they're like, we're super insecure. Yeah. And be like, that makes me just like you so much more now. I just need to know that when I'm floating through life that someone's going to be there to hold my hand. Literally. So I don't drown in my sleep. While Hootie and the Blowfish <laughs> play Hold My Hand to a montage of otters holding hands. Uh, what's Hootie and the Blowfish doing now? What are the Blowfish doing? They're trying to hold otter hands. <laughs> yeah, they wasted so many years. Hold my hand. <laughs> that was my older brother. My older brother's four years older than me. And my parents are divorced. So like every other weekend, we would my dad would pick us up at my mom's house and drive us down for visitation at his house. It was like a 45-minute drive. And I remember my brother getting into music. He eventually in high school ended up in a ska band called Shoveled Up Corpses, Dead Rotting You. Sure. Which I will remember for the rest of my life. Shoveled Up for short. And... Uh, <laughs> But one of the first CDs he brought in the car as like a show of like, I'm an adult, I get to choose the music, was Hootie and the Blowfish. Wow. Yeah. And I remember being like, remember this, Grace. I'm so awful at music and don't understand any of it. But I remember in like, I don't know, fourth grade at the time being like, remember this band. This is an important band. Mm -hmm. And look where it got me. You didn't, you, well, you remember them still. I so remember you... them forever. Yeah. And the same way I remember shoveled up corpses, dead routing you. God, <laughs> that was a time. Ska bands. You're in a band now, right? Well, no. I, I was. I, I, had, I used to have a comedy. Like one of the things that I would do live performances. Mm -hmm. My best friend Mike and I had a musical comedy duo called okay. Hard and Firm. Right. Because his last name's Firm and mine's Hardwick. So uh, we makes sense. We would perform. You know, we performed for years on the road touring colleges and comedy clubs, and we did a Comedy Central special. And sure. And then, um, and then, so, and then that was. And we're still best friends, but we just. Do you perform at all? now in your life no not not nothing musical now oh nothing musical now sore spot 
Got it. Yeah, why'd you have to Sorry. bring up the fact that I just want to do music? I can't do Moving that. on to something that I think is great, bread bowls. Hold my hand! <laughs> I don't have the licensing for it. Um, let's talk about bread bowls. I want a that? bread bowl, the best that, the best that I can. How that's not an actual Panera commercial blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, as an adult, well, my whole life I've been obsessed with bread bowls. I don't know what it is about them other than their deliciousness. What do you mean? What? It's an edible bowl. It's genius. Yeah. Do you know when I go to Disneyland, Mm -hmm. I will wait in line for an, I will wait in line longer for the bread bowl at, um, the New Orleans Square than for the rides. Because they do, I'm not vegetarian, but they have a good vegetarian bread bowl there with vegetarian gumbo. Oh, I was like, bread's not meat. (laughs) (laughs) You like meat bread? (laughs) I love it. I wish. Uh, But it's, they have these bread bowls with gumbo Mm -hmm. and it's great because you can break the bread off and dip it in the middle of it. It's the greatest thing about, I mean, I was going to ask you, what is the worst thing you think you would do for a bread bowl? But I guess it's just waste your own time for it. It would be waiting in line, yeah. um, trying not to contract the measles to get a bread bowl. Also, bread bowls are very easy to make at home. I just realized this. Like, I made soup. This is how I know that I'm really sincerely becoming an adult, is that I looked up a recipe for soup, mm-hmm. and I made it at my Harder place. to make than you would think, though. So much harder to make. It's, it's not stupid. just water and tomatoes. It's stupid, and now it's left me with a bitter taste for soup. I mean, the soup is delicious, but it just took so much time yeah. that it was really stressful. But that said, I put it in a bread bowl, and that really, like... There's a certain sense of satisfaction I feel. I feel like I'm doing something right when I'm eating soup out of a bread bowl because I feel yeah. like everything I need is right here. The only thing you're that not it, making any waste. The only thing that could make it better is if the spoon was a cracker and then <gasps> all of it was edible. Why edible utensils? Ed utensils. Ed utensils. Yeah, no one take it. Save it for us. We need it. Oh, someone in your audience has already parked the URL. <laughs> I know. Oh, man, they got that biz too? What the fuck? God, GeoCities. <laughs> um, what do you think Britney Spears thinks about right before she falls asleep? Why do sea otters hold hands? And mm. can I trap a sea otter in a bread bowl? I feel like everything <laughs> that we <laughs> I mean, imagine sea otters eating their... What do they eat? Fish, I guess? Yeah. I don't know. Out of a bread bowl? Oh, God. I think what she actually thinks before she goes to bed now is, oh, fuck, do I got to go do a show for Vegas again? Have you seen her in Vegas? No. I did. It was the best experience. I went with Mamrie Hart. Uh, we took an Uber out there, which was when Uber had that promotion that they do Uber Vegas. They will drive you to Vegas from Los Angeles you will get put up at the Cosmopolitan for one night and then your driver also gets put up at another hotel and they will drive you home the next day. And so we did this to see Brittany. One, it was the worst Uber experience of my entire life and memories. It's actually in her book now, so I don't want to like spoil it for people because <laughs> it literally, it was so insane. But that said, we went, we saw Brittany. It was you know, we'd already resigned ourselves. So this is not the Britney we knew in high school. This is a Britney. This that, ain't your mama's Britney. No, this is a Britney that doesn't dance. She gets danced around while she stands. Very clever. Yeah, but the best part was that the woman, uh, like three seats down from us, came clearly by herself, had probably seen the show 
a handful of times, was standing there with opera glasses just watching the whole show the entire time. Two hours of show, standing with opera fancy? glasses. No. This was like a middle-aged woman from Wisconsin. Oh, so she wasn't like an opera girl with white gloves going, no. oops, I did it again. <laughs> no. I've come to another uh, No, which is what made this so great. She was literally like fanny pack, like sweatshirt, jeans, just standing with opera glasses. Could not be like... I couldn't tell if she was having a good time, but I assumed that this was the best time of her life. Did you meet Brittany when you were there? No, didn't. I have no idea what goes through her head. It could be... There's a lot of things that could be thoughts. What if she's a secret physicist and we just don't know? That's the thing. I have no idea. I think Britney's great and I I have no idea. I can't say that all she thinks about is cardboard. I don't know. I mean, she could stand on stage and you mean like the mechanics of cardboard and the chemical (laughs) compounds, how to make it better, how to make it more efficient. The impact of not recycling. Yeah. I mean, like she... Even if she, I feel like the curse, the curse of Britney is that yeah. even if she figured out a unified field theory, mm-hmm. she could bark it out at her show and people would just be like, dance some more. Like they wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't, like, they're, it's like no one's ever going to really. No. And like in her downtime, she's just hanging out with Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about astrophysics. <laughs> and we're like, none of us knew. We should have known. I just saw him speak recently at a casino and it was amazing neil is a great speaker yeah that's a great impression he's the best he was so charming and i you know understood maybe five percent of the things that he was actually talking about but the best part was that his parents introduced him because it was in connecticut and i I, he's from new york i think and so they were local and uh he had clearly written a bunch of jokes for them to like say to introduce them. And his mom, his dad just stood there smiling the whole time. And his mom was like trying to get through these jokes, like just powering through. And it was the sweetest thing. And she introduced him as, uh, please welcome our second son, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Aww. I know. It got me so good that I was not prepared for it. He's it was- the best because, you know, he has a way of explaining physics to people who aren't physicists. Exactly. I am... I. I don't consider myself interested in the universe in the way that that audience for the majority was interested in the universe. However, I found myself so interested in his onstage charisma and ability to explain really high concept ideas in a very layman's term way. He can prese- he can he can he can gift physics to you in a bread bowl like he Literally, basically serves you in a bread bowl. He is the Panera of physics. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I don't know if you would appreciate that. Uh, I mean, he seems like a very relatable man. <laughs> okay, I'll, okay uh, that makes sense. follow me on Twitter, Neil. <laughs> uh, have you done anything today that you regret and wish that you didn't do? This today, this day, this day. Um, I mean, which yeah forces you to go back in time and think about r- what r- actually r- happened r- today. R- 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 yeah. Good morning, world. <laughs> so I'm gonna walk you through my day. No, I mean, I feel like I got a little cranky about something dumb today, but I, you know, like I, I'm not, I'm not a monster. Like for me, it's just that's what a monster would say. You know, you're right. <laughs> God damn it! Don't you talk to me like that. I'm sorry, I did it again. He just turned into the Kool-Aid man and ran through the brick wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, 
Without spilling a drop. I know. How? How does that happen? You know, uh, one of these days what's going to happen is he's going to break through a wall and the military is going to have a trap set up and they're going <laughs> to shoot him with nets and drag him down because he's a fucking monster he's... and he needs to be stopped. Also... How much property damage? How many kids <laughs> drowned by Kool-Aid that he's fallen on and crushed? But also, terrible conversationalist. Yeah. And how does the glass never break in the pitcher when he's breaking down these walls with it? I don't understand. Not a crack. Not a single crack. He's that arrogant. Yeah. What an asshole. But I think, uh, you know, I, I'm uh, a lot of times one of the things that can annoy me about, uh, can annoy people about me is that, um, you know, I'm super like, hey, I'm excited about everything and super like we. Your positivity really ruins people. And, and and it's, you know, it's not like I'm Mr. Positive 100% of the time, but I try to be when I can. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I'm lucky to be doing what I do. And so I'm excited. And so when I get cranky and I feel like I'm taking, it's like, uh-huh. okay, now you're, you know, you, you have nothing but luxury problems and you shouldn't get cranky about stuff. And it usually just boils down to, ah, I didn't sleep a lot last night. Yeah. So I'm just a little tired cranky. I feel the same way. I feel like in life, it is so much easier to be a positive person than to be a negative person. I feel like it takes way more energy to be negative than it does to be positive. So in that mo- the moments when I feel like I am, especially like meeting fans or people that want to say hello or sure. say something nice, if I'm not creating an authentically special experience in that moment for them, I feel awful after the fact. I think it's more energy for most people to be, to be positive than negative because if you oh, think about it, it requires, like, you have to be vulnerable to be positive, right? You're opening yourself up. And it's like a store is, you know, if a store is open, they're exerting more energy than when they're closed. Because when you're closed, you can shoot everything down. You don't, like, it's, a, it's basically a prefab personality disorder where you can shit on everything, be cynical, not let anything into your heart or your life, and just, and be protected and defensive. So I feel like it's more energy for a lot of people to be positive. That got too deep, and I fell asleep. In okay, the middle I'm of sorry. It. Grace, wake up. I appreciate Grace, all the up. things that you said. Um, I, but you said we were sleeping. <laughs> I sleep talk very coherently. Is something. Grace, wake up. <laughs> uh, what noise do you wish your farts were? If there were any other noise than what they currently are. A slide whistle. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not make it a Boop. great experience for everyone around? Yep. Because then I wouldn't be embarrassed about it. I, you'd never have to say, excuse me. You would always get to say, you're welcome. Yeah. You would celebrate every time your body or is having a digestive issue. Every time you farted, you could be like, boop. Am I right, guys? Like, what a great... <laughs> instead of excuse it, me. Imagine what planes would be like. Because I feel like everyone farts constantly on <laughs> oh planes. Oh, my God. I always, <laughs> I always sit next to secret farters on planes. And I always... You know, and you know the way you figure out who it is? It's the only person who's not looking around like a startled fox. But also, that's become uh, my go-to if I fart in a situation that I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I start looking around like, who would be so rude right now? What just happened here? I hate this. How dare you soil this? I hope there's an air marshal on here. That will put you in plastic cups. And then I just tweet at Virgin America and then hope for the best <laughs> from Richard Branson. Uh, yeah, I feel like planes would be an entirely different experience. It would just be a symphony of slide whistles happening constantly. I'll tell you what. You've given me a fun idea. No uh-huh. one take this idea either. Okay. Fart this is tones. How you kn- fart tones. Ringtones for farts. Where you can basically, <sighs> your favorite song, your favorite movie line, you know, you can so be like. That you can just, what is it, Kazam or Shazam or whatever, the app that you can like tell. 
what music is when yes. you don't know. So that you'd be like, oh my God, I feel a little gassy. Uh, he slimed me, you know? And then like <laughs> just weird <laughs> movie quotes or, oh, I'm sorry, I got to let this go. <laughs> hold my hand. <laughs> hold my hand. It would be so great. Um, I, if you ever have free time, I know that you're busy 24 hours a day. There's a, a video that May Marie and Hannah and I made uh, called the Fart Soundboard Challenge. And it all got inspired by it. we found this website that was just a fart soundboard because we needed farts for some sound effect and we needed to download them. It turns out you can't download them from from this website, but it has the greatest collection. You should have gone to iTunes. <laughs> I know. So I mean, it, it's there are other sites I found that you can download fart sounds from. But she completely missed that joke. <laughs> What? I mean, yeah, iTunes. Why? Fart. I said iTunes. iTunes. I thought you said iTunes. No. Uh, I, my, I, my clarity was bad. Woulda, coulda. Damn it. Anyway, fart soundboard. Great way to use time that you have that's free time that maybe you should be doing something better in. The one that got me, Puff Daddy is the name of a fart. It's like, uh, yeah, tuna surprise is one of them. Stuttering on the John is one. There's one called like mistakes. Like it's really. My friend used to work. My friend Mike Furman, when yeah. we were on tour, when we were bored, uh, this is pre iPhone days, we had, a, mm-hmm. we had a Palm Trio, which was a, an old telephone, old timey telephone. Yeah. And, uh, and he would record all of his farts and name them, the file, give them the file names. <laughs> and my favorite one of all time was called the Who Me, which sounded like this. <laughs> like, no like, joke. Literally, like, shrugs. Shrugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, I have a friend whose boyfriend does that for fun, like, just smokes a bunch of weed and records his own farts, and it gets into their shared iTunes playlist. So if my friend is, like, playing music, like, for a party or something. In the arms of the angels. Yeah, and literally will shuffle on all the farts that he's recorded of himself, which I think is a great party trick. Um, Are you an FJ? A fart jock? Oh, that's That's a good job. Yeah, I mean, the the future is now. I'm not surprised. I would be surprised if someone on the internet hasn't figured out how to monetize their farts in some way. I mean, isn't that what Vine is? (laughs) I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Touche. Okay, so now I'm going to get into the questions that I ask everyone because I think that they're really interesting. Um, Who in the universe, alive or dead, would you most want to see fall down and not get hurt? Because I've learned... Uh, in my adult life that people falling is maybe the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And especially when they're not hurt afterwards. So like for me, it would be someone like Mario Batali falling down, not hurt, getting back up all cool. But I would love to have that private moment of seeing that. So is there someone in the universe that you would love to just be able to witness? Uh, Dame Maggie Smith. Okay. AKA Professor McGonagall. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if she's not going to get hurt. If she's not going to get hurt. If she takes a tumble and there's no serious injury, yeah, that would make anyone's day better. I think so. Sorry, now I'm just like making gifs in my head of her falling <laughs> down. Really? Oh, my. Um, on the, along the same lines, who would you most want to throw cold spaghetti at? It's... Something that sends a message to maybe someone that you don't like very much, but it's not hurtful or outwardly mean. It's just kind of confusing. Does the spaghetti have sauce on it? No. It's just literally like you heated it, it became limp, and then you put it in a refrigerator, and the next morning it's there for your taking. Um, 
Wow, that's a really great question. I am fascinated by this. I asked the Gregory brothers this for the first time, and they said their landlord, because they were like, he's being a dick to us, but we're not mean people, so we would all love to collectively throw cold spaghetti in his face. Probably Harrison Ford. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Not Callista, just no. Harrison. Yeah, okay. yeah. He was on the podcast a couple years ago, and he was a, he was a difficult Bronco to break. Really? And so uh, I feel like if I'd had just cold, wet spaghetti at the end to throw at him, it probably would have livened up the... Uh, I feel like it's a wake-up call for people. What and are the, you doing? <laughs> the most, and then you say, I just threw cold spaghetti in your face. That's the reality. And then it forces them to now reevaluate why that's happened to them. Boy, but you made me wish that if I had a wizard power, it would be to a, a spaghetti storm. That would be an amazing spell to it just would, rain spaghetti on a situation. It would be so debilitating to so many people because it's not hurting you in no. any way. It's just the most confusing thing. It's going to get up in your grill, on your car, Everywhere. like you're slipping on it. Everywhere. If it's cooked properly, it's sticking to everything. Al dente? Yeah. Oh, that's a whole level of confusion. Control over the, the 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 consistency of the pasta. Yeah, I watched Jada De Laurentiis. She's a wizard. I don't get it. <laughs> it's insane. Um, and then the last question I ask everyone on the podcast is to tell me your worst pants shitting story, but only tell me in three words or three small phrases. So, for instance, mine is um, college jogging front lawn. Okay. Yeah. Remember the last time? Well, it's interesting. Mo- I've I've learned from people that a lot of people seem to have a very instant memory that pops into their brain when you say worst pants shitting story. It's like, oh my god, you just reminded me of a time that I've repressed for days. How? I mean, you know, I think we have to get into the sort of philosophical discussion of what oh, constitutes Jesus a Christ. pants shit. Like, is it is it just a is it just a fart with attitude? Or is <laughs> yeah. it... It's a fart that has too much to say. Or... <laughs> <laughs> it is a sassy fart. Yeah. This is... fart is going to sass your pants. This fart is expressing its First Amendment rights. Um, I... God, I mean... Then I, I would say your most uncomfortable bowel story that can be expressed in three words or small phrases. Um... Okay. And don't worry, there are no follow-up questions to this. I won't ask about the whole story. Um, table read, Mike Myers movie, uh, afraid I was going to shit my pants. Oh, my God. That, I, I, no one could hear that, but Jack Ferry just released the most either audible sigh or very obvious fart. So here's, so here's what... So, <laughs> Hold my hand. <laughs> so in 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 the in the nineties, Mike Myers was gonna do. He had this character called uh, Paul Baldwin, a cop, pa- Paula, Paula Baldwin. It was it started off as Paul and then became it was his mother in law basically. Okay. And then it was uh, uh, Coffee Talk. He did the Coffee yeah, Talk sketch. Yeah. So they were gonna do a Coffee Talk movie in the nineties, and I hadn't really worked a whole lot. But for some reason, someone was like, "Oh, would well, you want to come read a part at this table read?" Okay. So I went to this table read. It was Mike Myers, Ben Stiller, Phil Hartman. Oh my god. A bunch of people and uh at the beginning I was so nervous that I thought I was going to have oh. diarrhea because it was there was just a lot of like churning There's like a lot my of stomach was like happening. you are in over your head. Oh. And so then what was worse than 
the potential pants shitting, which thankfully never happened. What was worse was the anxiety that swirled around that oh, was, yeah. what if I shit my pants around these people? Yeah. I can't go anywhere. I'm nobody. I can't just get up yeah. because I'm going to have an, a, a shit episode. <laughs> I can't miss my line. There's, this is an opportunity. This is, and, yeah. and it was the anxiety that surrounded it. And I honestly, I bolted as soon as I was like, nice to meet everyone. And then uh, went to the bathroom and... Course. You know, uh, I never ask anyone what their story is, but I'm really happy that you told me that. It is awful. Your brain, in that moment of vulnerability, will go to places that you have never known it could go to. It will imagine realities that you have actively tried to never imagine for yourself. What if a fountain of shit blasts me through the ceiling in front of <laughs> Phil Hartman and Ben Stiller? Literally, Mamrie and I have this conversation all the time because she used to do sketch comedy at UCB and... We do a lot of live shows now, and both of us have very sensitive stomachs, especially her. And so she used to tell herself before every UCB show, if I shit my pants on stage, I can move back to North Carolina and start a new life for myself. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like a mantra she used to tell herself before every show to get her through it. And I was like, yeah, I've also told myself similar things like, I can go back to school for art therapy. I should do that. Maybe that's a sign that I should do that. And then when, when someone's like, where did you live before this? She's like, I can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't she, remember. She becomes the crazy woman on the rocking chair well, in the small town. She would not have been the fir- with a chamber pot under the rocking chair. <laughs> yeah. She would not have been the first person to shit their pants on stage at the UCB. There's a there's a very famous UCB story, and uh, I won't name names, but I'm sure if you dig around, you can probably find it. But God. it's there's a there was a show they do a show there every once in a while, or they did anyway. Mm-hmm. This was like, you know, the, the point of the show was to do the filthiest, dirtiest. Yes, most I know what you're sketches. talking about. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, a guy in his sketch basically. I've heard this. Held yeah. up. I, I think the way it worked is that they held up a sheet, so he was behind the sheet, but you oh. could see the shadow, oh. and he shit onto the stage. Yeah, I have heard this story, and. Sure, it, that's comedy gold. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's good to now know. More comedy bronze. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, could you shit in front of an audience full of people if you had to? Because I feel like my, I feel like it'd be like. No, it, I get it, stage fright. Yeah, it'd be like yeah. an, it'd be like an eel that like goes away and just, <laughs> does not want to come out <laughs> yeah. if you're like poking your face up. Yeah, it's literally every other aquarium. moment that I don't want it to happen could happen but the moment that i need it to happen for this show it would never happen well on that note we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back uh we're all gonna have clean pants and i'm gonna ask you some questions from twitter all right yay hit it me in the future recording this ad that we're about to hear collectively good job self This episode of Not Too Deep. We're back and now ready for Twitter questions. Here we go. The Joshua Adam, could he bowl as awesomely with a watermelon instead of a bowling ball? No, that's that would I would not bowl as awesomely with a watermelon. <laughs> and that's a silly question. Watermelons are not perfectly round. They're they're blobby that, shaped. I think that this is the first question out of all of them that you're like, that's a silly question. And are like <laughs> perturbed by it. <laughs> I am perturbed, sir. As the son of a professional bowler, uh, that you would dare to ask. That's why you're into bowling, is your dad was a professional bowler. Yes. Okay, what's like your high score? 
Have you bowled a perfect game? No. You know, I quit bowling when I... I bowled from the time I was three mm-hmm. until about the time I was 13. <gasps> like, full... Like, every day, five hours a day. Wow. Um, when I was uh, 11, I bowled the high game of my life, which was 289, which is 10 strikes and <gasps> a nine count. And then I quit bowling for a long time, and I do it occasionally now sure. for like our YouTube show and stuff, but I don't, I don't get to do it as often as I want to. Oh, it is a fun activity. I've gotten more into bowling as an adult, and I just think it's the great equalizer, because even if you're awful at it, it's still really fun. But still a silly question you might as well ask. Is a watermelon a better airplane than an airplane? <laughs> I mean, please, Joshua. No, no one knows. Um, okay, juggling geese. If you could sleep in a bed made out of any type of food, what would it be? Macaroni and cheese. Okay. So, but but where it's just lightly singed on the top. Got it. So oh. you could just sort of like. Arr, 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 arr. So you would eat your bed every night. I would eat my bed every night instead of making it. I would eat <laughs> my bed every or night or wetting it. You'd yeah, just eat it. I would just eat it. That makes sense. Makes total sense. Um, And then every night I would have a macaroni and cheese steward fill it with fresh macaroni and cheese. What a life you could live. Do you know what just occurred to me? What? I could actually afford to do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's your measure of success as an adult. Kind of. Can I afford a macaroni and cheese bed that gets remade every night? I can. I've arrived. Yeah, I mean, you know, people do a lot of things for $100. I mean, it really, you can really do a lot of things. You just have to be creative. I've been on Craigslist once. Uh, (laughs) This is from Tiffany Reese. Mary, fuck, kill. Will Wheaton, Jonah Ray, Cumberbatch. Um, uh, okay. I always find it interesting when people ask these questions and they put people that you're friends with in your life. Right. Like oh, then, and then I have to see that person the next time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I heard that, um... I heard you wanted to fuck me. Well, that creates a new layer of our friendship. It's actually a pretty easy one. <laughs> okay. I would marry Jonah Ray because okay. he's one of the sweetest people that I know. Marrying type. Got yeah. it. I would, uh, fuck Will Wheaton. He is, yep. Because, uh, you know, Will's very passionate and we've been friends for a long time and I feel like we'd know how to please each other. That's great. And I would kill Benedict Cumberbatch. Ooh, you just isolated a very... Tumblr? (laughs) Yeah, all of Tumblr has Well, okay, but hear me out. Uh Uh-huh. I would then eat his heart to absorb his essence. Okay. Right? Sure. So there'd be a reason. Like, I would be the new Cumberbatch. So you're not losing a Cumberbatch, you're gaining a Cumberbatch Hardwick. Oh, wow. Society could only benefit from you murdering Cumberbatch. Okay, interesting. Interesting take. Uh, You know, know, I I have such weird anxieties about things that now I'm like, what if he like dies and then they're like, it clearly says on this (laughs) podcast that... Investigate Chris Hardwick. (laughs) No, everyone. I promise it wasn't me. See, he's more charming. That means he ate his heart. (laughs) Look under the floorboards. Uh... Sir Clifford wants to know, do you secretly get turned on when you wipe the scores on at midnight? Um, You know, I try to keep it fresh every night because I do it every night. Right. And so, uh, you know, it's not that the the sexual charge of wiping people's scoreboards has worn off. But in any relationship, after a while, it's... Yeah, try new things. Yeah, people can tell when I'm not feeling it, too. They're like, you know, the last three shows, you've not been feeling the wipe and I'm not digging that. Do you tell yourself something before you get into the show every day? Because I can't imagine doing a show every day the way you do a show every day and sometimes numerous shows and other things. Is there a mantra? Is there a pep talk you give yourself before you start? Yes, it's remember when you were unemployed. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And that keeps me in the game. That'll do it. Remember that I guy? appreciate this. Uh, okay. Can you outrun a tauntaun? 
Um, I feel like I feel like I could outrun a Tauntaun. Yeah. You don't sound really sure about that. Well, they do. I mean, do you consider yourself the running type? In what climate? In, uh, yeah, good counter question. Am I on Hoth? Like, am I in their native cold environment, or is it? Do, do I get them down to a tropical region where they're going to be a little laggier? I feel like it's a neutral place, like somewhere in Maine. Okay. Yeah. So we're in Bangor, Maine, home of Stephen King, mm-hmm. uh, and we're racing to Stephen King's house. <laughs> yeah. Because Tauntaun wants to get his copy of Pet Cemetery signed yeah. by <laughs> Stephen <laughs> King. This Tauntaun's been talking about it for months. But here's the thing: the trick uh-huh. is Stephen King's not a great driver. So uh, he's coming at us while we're coming at him. I duck out of the way quickly because I'm more nimble than a Tauntaun. Uh, Stephen King hits the Tauntaun. Oh, uh, God. We have to mercy kill it, and uh-huh. then we both sleep inside it to brave the, uh, the cold main air. I feel like you just audibly wrote a fan fiction right now for yourself. <laughs> Good. That was very romantic. Without actually answering your question. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, now, we were talking about Tom Cruise before, and I, you know, I've just been enlightened to Tom the- Tom? Tom Tom, we were talking about Tom Tom before, and I've just only recently been introduced to the idea that he runs in all of his movies, and that's like his sh- thing. Yeah. And I have to go shoot this thing soon where there are scenes where I'm running, and I'm literally in my head being like, what the fuck do I look like when I run? Is this something I need to be like? Is it a staged run or is it your actual run or how do you I have no idea. act run? That's the thing. It's like now I'm trying to like set mirrors up in my house so that I can like run enough to that I can see myself running. It's that's why you need to take my acting class, Chris Harvick's <laughs> running for film. Yeah. And really learn how to, it's different than running for TV. I am sure it's way more expensive mm-hmm. and uh, sprintier. <laughs> sprintier. Okay. SV, S. Vic Gray wants to know Have you ever looked at yourself in a mirror? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I and I don't know if this so. is like a philosophical question or if this is like a weird sarcastic, like, have you ever looked at yourself in a mirror? I mean, do you see what you look like? I mean. Because I've seen you and you clearly have not looked at yourself in a mirror. <laughs> uh, I shave by smell. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not big. I feel like I, from editing my own face for so many years that I don't need to look in a mirror at all. I just kind of can feel where things are happening on my face to put makeup on and to do my hair. Yes, Sir Vic. If that, was that his name, Sir Vic? Yeah. Yes, Sir Vic. I have looked in a mirror. <laughs> um, okay. Blame Hockey wants to know, do you ever wish that you could be a contestant instead of a host? Like on at Contestant on at Midnight? Yeah. Sometimes I think it'd be really fun, but I just love I love running the game so much that really? it's hard for me to Yeah. I mean there's so That's much less pressure from where I'm sitting because it's not I'm not being tested. Well here I think that there's so much more pressure only because I hate reading teleprompters and I feel like Every time I come on the show, I get distracted at the very beginning watching you read teleprompters because that, to me, that's... all off the top of my head. I mean, it's very, very <laughs> improvised and candid. And your all skill sets are so great. No, actually, reading prompter is a, is, a, is, a uni- is a different skill set to try to... I feel like I've developed dyslexia because I've had to read teleprompters in my life. Because when you're reading teleprompter and it's scrolling, yeah. you... Uh, and. I was good at it before. Some just I was luckily good at it, but sure. working on Attack of the Show made me really good at it because that show was live, and so right. you couldn't mess it up as much. And the trick with teleprompter is you have to 
quickly read the top two lines, understand what you're saying there, and still look ahead to see what's coming up next as it's scrolling by. Oh, and then I get so paranoid about like trying to keep my eyes steady and like move my head around so you don't see that I'm like reading things right. line by line, but I overcompensate, and so then it just looks like I have this weird nervous head twitch <laughs> that happens. Um, okay, this is the last question for you. Why Harto wants to know favorite Renaissance artist. Favorite Renaissance artist. And I don't know if this is a thing. Do you talk about Renaissance artists? Are you into that era of art? Um, well, not publicly. Well, one thing I've noticed about you just from following you on Instagram, you take huge pride. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But I've gathered from your interior design of your house. Well, you, you know, have curated quite an art gallery. My house is... I, I figured out my design aesthetic is... Um, uh, uh, a Victorian gentleman serial killer. So oh. it's a lot of vintage. Like I have a lot of taxidermy and I a lot of like yeah. this was an old watchmaker's table yeah. or like this was a this was a Victorian microscope. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know I've never really furnished a place before, mm-hmm. and I thought I was gonna hate it. And then in the um, in the process of and I we're working with I've been working with a, someone to help me like oh, interior cool. designer help. But and they're sort of like a therapist in a way where you tell them the kind of stuff you like, and then the more stuff, like I would go shopping every Sunday that I had like three hours, sure. and I would just send her like fifty pictures, I'm like I like this, I like this, I like this, and you know, and she would go, "This won't fit anywhere," you know, "This is a little too," and so. It, but what I got out of it was like the the house is really an expression of my personality, and I got really into that idea, mm-hmm. so it's. You know, picking stuff and, you know, like weird, weird stuff has been really yeah. fun. It let, it really forces you to evaluate your tastes and what you like and what you enjoy. And there's no prefab stuff in the house. Like everything was handpicked by really? like um, something, you know, that I saw at an antique store or saw online or, or you... she had furniture made. Like everything was either made or antique. It's sort of like Etsy. My house is kind of like Etsy. I, that's what I, because I, I've only recently gotten into like the annals of Etsy and have lost myself many times now in that website and also just bought a house and in, am in that space of designing it and trying to put things in it that bring me happiness to look at on a regular basis and having the total free range as someone that now owns this place to put up anything I want. Anything. It's terrifying in a way because there's too many choices, which usually debilitates me. But it's also so fun once you do realize what your aesthetic is and are like, I, mine is kind of like um, adult child. Like I like things that are um, rustic and industrial, but then also are like whimsical and and dumb. Like I have a big paper mache giraffe head that comes out of my wall. And that's, yeah, that's my aesthetic. And I'm also now having a girl come in and like help me design a couple other rooms that are just too much for my brain to think about. And it was like therapy, like sitting down telling her my aesthetic and what I'm into and what I like and what I don't like. And also having to like analyze that for myself. It's the best way. And you don't really need a lot of money to do it like you can find no I'm I love flea markets everything has a, every, I like everything to have a like a fun like a fun story like yeah. oh I know you know this weird apothecary cabinet mm-hmm. came from here and I bought it here and then oh, a, yeah. a store was using it for a while to it was like totally. a button counter and then these chairs are from the early 1800s and I put a TARDIS in the house <sighs> I had a TARDIS made and it makes all the sounds it's got a remote I'm I'm making noises like I, I I've heard the word TARDIS. I don't totally understand what it is, but so from Doctor Who, Grace. So yeah, Doctor Who. No. Um. 
Well, so your favorite Renaissance artist is clearly... Da Vinci? Is he a Renaissance artist? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you. It's I, Etsy. I am a... <laughs> <laughs> he was great. Who's your favorite Renaissance artist? Oh, me in my past life. I believe in reincarnation. <laughs> it's really great. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. so much for talking to us. I'm going to give you your parting gift, which I give everyone on the podcast, which is you can tweet anything you want from my Twitter account. Oh. I just ask for you to not make it homophobic or racist which i wouldn't do or to do what shane dawson did earlier today which is tweet that i am announcing my co-host of my new show is tara reed everyone tell her hashtag tara on Hellbig to celebrate and so first tweet i had to delete after oh no someone complete creative control but i give this to you you can tweet absolutely anything you want oh my gosh Um, yeah so this is, yeah, it's a lot of power. And it's also, for me, a really huge learning experience of seeing what people do with power. I've had really um, unexpected outcomes from people when I say you can tweet anything you want. I'm, am I tweeting as you? As me, yeah. Uh, you, you, I mean, it's up to you. People have tweeted photos of themselves. Lots of diarrhea jokes happen. Sure. Um, cross how, that off the list. Yeah, well, how E hasn't already canceled my show based on... Because I don't do any follow-ups and say, like, that wasn't me, guys. Sorry. So uh, we shot, like, four episodes of podcasts the other last week and uh literally it was like two days of just nonsense tweets and i was like telling jack i was like oh yeah it's different now that i have a show that like executives are looking at my twitter and they're gonna be like grace is having an amanda Bynes moment like we (laughs) need to interrupt this and see what's happening oh my gosh do i do i have to pick it now i gotta pick it in this moment yes you do Oh, man, what yeah. an opportunity. <laughs> I know. It's like seriously a psychological experiment to see how people use the power. I mean, you know, because I'm sure it, are people either going to use it to make you look ridiculous or are they going to use it to promote something? Or are they Right. Gonna... There's a whole like universe of potential. Yeah. You could go down so many different avenues. Hey, everyone, kick a baby today. Like, it could be... Yeah, literally, uh, I will say this. One of the worst tweets that someone did was Tyler Oakley. He tweeted, you are all perfect just the way you are. Just that. And literally, everyone was like, this is why she's my idol. She cares about us. She loves us. This made my day. I needed this. And I was like, how dare you? How (laughs) dare you? Use sincerity against me. And like Mike Rugnetta from PBS Idea Channel tweeted like, there's so much hatred on the internet. Look to the person to your right and give them a hug and appreciate them. It's like not worth your time. Like this whole full 140 characters of just pouring out sensitivity and sweetness. And literally everyone was like, she cares about us. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give my tweet away. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have you tell everyone to follow my mom on Twitter. Go ahead, that's for you. Your mom started Twitter. She started Twitter. Yeah, she was. She came on at midnight. <gasps> Although, hmm, she's pretty swearsy on Twitter. So am I in life. So I feel like that might be crossover audience. Uh. And also, what a great way to describe a mom. She's pretty swearsy on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but please tweet it out because now I also want to follow your mom on Twitter. <laughs> she live tweeted the Super Bowl and <gasps> it was, it was just a lot of like, fuckity fuck. 
<laughs> I'm all in. Uh, a bunch of people were like, your mom is live tweeting Super Bowl and that's amazing. And I went to look at her account and I just saw one tweet that just said balls to the wall. And I'm like, what is she talking about? Oh my God. So she's just reincarnated little John. Um, uh, okay. What's her Twitter handle? Nerdist mom. Oh my God. How is that not taken? I don't know. This dog is killing me. Uh, How recently did she start Twitter? She's been on for a couple of weeks. Oh, boy. <laughs> Has she gotten into hashtag wars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. great. I, yeah, my mom just got an iPhone, so baby steps. I don't know. Yeah, you there we go. You can send it. Go for it. Follow at Nerdist Mom. <laughs> oh. Such hesitation. Make sure it's spelled correctly. Oh no! <laughs> I Grace, I spelled it wrong. Could you please? I know. That's also. I've been like, please, no racism or homophobia. Also, can you just make sure to spell everything correctly? All right, I just sent it out. It's sent. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I gave it to my mom. Could have promoted anything. That's could've... really sweet. Uh, you could, yeah, you had a lot of power in your hands, and you used it for good. You know what's really funny is that is having like Twitter followers too. Yeah. Getting the opportunity, I'm like, oh my god, Grace, you have so many. I'm like, I, I can... yeah, we. It, it's funny. Like now, I get you know, like yeah. when people are like, will you tweet this out for me? And I'm yeah. like, it's just Twitter. But now I got all nervous. Yeah, like, like, what do I do? My one opportunity. Oh my god, yeah, I, I gave it to my mom. That's really sweet. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for being Thanks, here. Grace. Make sure that you guys go over and listen to the podcast that we did on Nerdist. Yay! Hooray! See you guys. Too deep, too deep, too deep, not too deep, with Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated, produced and directed by Jack Ferry. Thanks to Eileen and everyone at the YouTube space, and an extra special thanks to Flula for our awesome theme music. Music.